morning, everyone. So good to see your faces, to listen to the happiness in your voices. So how was your Thanksgiving? I hope it was a wonderful time for you. So, so uh, Clint was saying to us last Wednesday evening that on an average, each of us eats about 4,500 calories for Thanksgiving. I thought, 4,500 calories, there's no way I ate that much, that much food. I think I maybe ate like, I think I shaved like maybe 400 points off of that. So maybe it was like 4,100 calories. But man, was it, it was good. Lori and the girls and some others, they spent like two days preparing that meal, and we finished it off in like 20 minutes, maybe 30 minutes, and that included going back for seconds and, and everything. But it was really a, a wonderful time. And now that holiday behind is behind us. Now we're looking forward to the next big one. And you know what the next big one is, right? Cyber Monday. Yeah. No, not really. Not Cyber Monday. Of course, we were probably thinking about Christmas and the holidays and New Year's. In fact, if you think about it, beginning about two weeks, unless you're at Costco, it's like in the beginning of October, but probably two weeks before Thanksgiving, and then moving past Thanksgiving, we go to Christmas, and then there's to New Year's Eve, and we're busy going here and going there. Everything starts to change. Even the songs start to change. Tis the season to be jolly. La, 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 la. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. These are all the songs that Clint was looking so forward to listening to. That, you know, it's like we've never sang those songs before. But those are the songs that are there. And almost all those songs, when you think about it, these kind of stress the happiness of life and, and the good cheer of, of, of life. In fact, what we talk about is family get-togethers. You know, you're getting together with family, you're sharing a meal, you're visiting, you're reminiscing, you're reflecting. Uh, it's a time of reflection. You're reflecting past over the, you know, the year of 2021, which some would like to kind of forget, but 2021, we're looking forward to new resolutions to 2022, so it's a time of reflection, time of, of giving and receiving. That's always kind of a good thing. It's a time for different kinds of holiday parties that are going on. Those are always a, a lot of, of fun. But in the midst of all that that's going on, there is another side to the holiday season, and that is there's a lot of stress. A lot of stress goes with what the holiday season is about. A lot of expectations are, are, are there. In fact, there's a fellow by the name of, of uh, Thomas Holman, he is a, a doctor, actually Thomas Holmes. He's a doctor, and along with he and a few of his colleagues at the University of Washington, they began to study in depth the idea of human stress. And they put the human stress on in terms of life-changing units. They talk about things that impact a person's life, and so on their scale, as they talked about life-changing units and, and stress, they said the death of a spouse is like 100 life-changing units. If you go through a divorce of a mate, that's 73 life-changing units. The children that go through the divorce with it probably is right up there as, as well. Pregnancy, 40 life-changing units. Guys, if you're wondering, why is my wife emotional? Why are there so many mood swings? Well, because it's really stressful carrying a baby, 40 life-changing uh, units. Remodeling a home, 25 life-changing units. Modeling home or maybe buying a home. You're buying a home and you're trying to choose lights and you're trying to do carpet and colors and all those things. That can be really, really stressful. And this one might surprise you, and that is Christmas. Christmas is 12 life-changing units. 
And what Holmes and they found out, along with his colleagues, is what they found out as they studied it, is that, you know, that humans can't take any more than 300 life-changing units without going off their nut. I mean, you, just, you can only handle so many things that come at you. And those are just a few of them, and there's a lot more of those life-changing units that go on in a year period. But there's a lot of things that impact our lives in incredible kinds of, of ways. And so when you talk about Christmas, well, you know, Christmas is supposed to be a time of happiness. It's supposed to be a time of good cheer. It is the season to be jolly. But listen, in the midst of all that, there's a lot of things that happen. We're going here and there and, and everywhere. We're ricocheting from this store to that store, from this house to that house. There's a lot of things take place during this time of the season. For instance, well, to whose home do we go for, for Christmas? Well, let's go to your parents. Well, if we go to your parents, then my parents are going to get mad. If I go to my parents, then your parents are going to get mad. And what about our friends? To whose home are we going to, to go? Extreme loneliness. There are those who really struggle with loneliness during this time because, generally because of loss. The loss of a loved one that was here last year but is not here this year. Or maybe the loss of friends. Maybe you've moved away from a lot of lifelong friends and you've come to this new place now and it's, it, there's a loneliness that is there. Or maybe your best friends have moved away from you and there's a loneliness that is there. A time of giving and receiving, but what if you don't have the money to, to give? What if your children find themselves in this place where all the kids, the, you know, there is this toy that's out there or this item that is out there that all the kids are buying, and you want your child to have that, but you don't make that kind of money. You can't buy that, that for them, and that becomes stressful uh, for you. Trying to keep up with the Joneses, you know, that kind of, of thing. Or how about commercials? You know, commercial, you know, tis the season to be jolly, you know, joy to the world. And then you have these commercials that come along and you watch these commercials and you think to yourself, wow, here we're talking about happiness and here's these little babies on the other side of the world or, or maybe even our own, own country that are starving to death or people who are living in the streets who are homeless, you know, and, and what are they going to do about their lives? You know, we, you know, we're making a list. We're counting it twice. We're sitting in our warm homes and we're all cozy there and these people are just trying to make it from one day to the next. Deadlines. Gotta keep those schedules. Have I got my cards sent out? Have I got my Christmas cards sent out? Have I got the New Year's cards sent out? Have I, you know, all these different deadlines that are there for us to keep. Last minute gift buying. Traffic jams. I was out yesterday. You know, I didn't go out Friday, but Laura and I went out yesterday, and we went over to the mall. And let me tell you what, there's a lot of traffic there. And not just traffic, Lori ended up in Macy's in a line, you know, at the store there, waiting to buy an item that took like 35 minutes. It was so long that I went outside the mall into the little area out there, you know, the walkways, and, and found me a bench and sat there and took a short nap. <laughs> it was a lot. She seemed to be in there a long time. Traffic jam, store lines, the weather. The weather outside is frightful. You know, sometimes it's cold, sometimes it's gray, it's overcast. Kind of painting kind of a dark picture here, right? Parties you got to go to, Christmas and New Year's Eve dinners, all the preparation that goes around that. What I'm saying to you is that this season is a time of great cheer, but it's also a time with, can be a lot of stress that comes into our lives. And so this morning, what I want to help you to do is I, I'm wanting to help you to slow down a little bit. 
and, and I'm wanting to encourage you from God's word to lay your burdens down. We allow so many of these things to pile on top of us that we just feel weighted down, weary, heavy laden because of all the things that sometimes happen during the holiday season. Now, don't misunderstand me. I love the holiday season. I love this time of the year. <clears throat> but I also know that it's a time of the year where people get really sensitive with what's going on in their lives and the circumstances of their lives. And for some, including myself, it can be a time of stressfulness. I think that if you were to choose a psalm that I think addresses that, it would be Psalm 46. So if you open your Bibles to that section of Scripture in Psalm 46. Now, it was read to you a few moments ago by uh, Brother Lay. And as he was reading that, well, Tim, he, he did such a great job with that. And as you read down through it, you probably noticed there were several themes or several lessons that this thing is trying to get across. In verse 1, in verse 5, verse 7, and in verse 11, all of them talk about verse 1. God is our refuge, a very present help in a time of trouble. They all talk about that. Verse, uh, verse 7 says the same thing, God's our refuge. Verse 11 says God is our stronghold in the midst of a lot of things that are going on in life. Things that are potential to bring a lot of stress into our lives. What, what the psalmist is trying to say is he's trying to tell us over and over again, don't ever forget God is our refuge. That he is a very present help in a time of struggle. Now verse 5 is a little bit different in that in verse 5 as you look at it, it talks about a city. And the city that he's talking about where God dwells, I believe, is the city of Jerusalem. And there it says, because God is present, that it will not be moved or that it will not fall. It depends on what translation you are looking at there. But it's talking about God being in the midst of everything and that God being a refuge or God being a stronghold or a fortress that he is ready to help even in our times of trouble. So there are some things in this psalm that have the potential of really stressing us out. For instance, in verses 1 through 3, he talks about natural upheavals. And then he talks about what should be our reaction to these, this natural upheaval. And his answer to that is, it says, uh, we will not fear. If we were to make it personal, we'd, we'd say, I will not fear. Even though there is this natural upheaval that's going on around me, even though the world is shaking around me, he says, I will not fear, we will not fear. Verses 4 through 7, he talks about civil disturbances or civil disorder and things like that. And in that section of scripture, he's going to tell us, how should I react to that? Verse 5 says, I'm going to trust the Lord. I'm going to put my trust in him. He's got this under control. And then a third would be wars and unrest. In fact, in, in, verses, in the wars and unrest, Psalm 46 was probably written in the context of the throes of war that brings about severe stress to the writer here. And so he's talking about this thing. So what should be our reaction to war's unrest? Well, his answer to that is to be still and know that I am God. I think the New American Center says, cease striving and know that I am God. So when you take all those things and you put them together, you got stress. And so my question for you this morning is, it would be this. What exactly is stress? Well, I think that it's answered, though you, though you may not see it because there's a nuance. Look at verse 1 of Psalm 46. Listen to what it says. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. 
Now, you don't see it in the English, but that word trouble is an interesting word because the word trouble means to be restricted or to be tied up in a narrow, cramped space. That's what the word means. If you were to modernize it, if you were to paraphrase it, then it might look something like this. God is an instant help when we are in a tight squeeze. That's really what it's talking about. That's actually what the word means, that you are in a tight squeeze. Now, if you grew up in the South, there is an old Southern expression down there, or phrase that people use that says, being caught between a rock and a hard place, or a rock and a hard spot. Well, that's what this, this psalm is talking about. It's talking about going through life and finding yourself in the midst of some potential things that are going to cause stress to put you between a rock and a hard spot, or a rock and a hard place. I demonstrated that on myself earlier this, this morning when I was visiting some of the folks over on this side here, and I tried to squeeze by the pew, and I caught my hand on the pew, scraped some skin off. I started to bleed. It started to bleed like crazy, you know? And, and so they said, what happened to you? And I said, I think I got caught between a rock and a hard spot. That's the idea. And so when you talk about stress, stress is the feeling of being caught between a rock and a hard spot or place in, in life. We've used that. We've heard it used. But how does it compute to us? Well, it means that I, I am feeling pressed. I'm feeling squeezed. I'm feeling a lot of pressure around me. And so the stress is doing a number on me. It's doing a number on me physically. It's doing a number on me mentally. It's doing a number on me spiritually. All those things affect us, not only just our physical life, not only just our mental life, but it even affects how we view life from a spiritual uh, a direction. So stress is there. Stress has become something that is so weird and real. And the thing about stress is, is that stress can cause us to have a lot of fear. I mean, a lot of, of fear. You say, well, where do you get that from? God is our refuge, our very present help in a time of struggle. Verse 2 I or we will not fear. And then he's going to go down and he's going to talk about things that brings fear into our lives. For instance, he talks about natural phenomena that causes fear. Look at verses 1 through 3. Let's, start with, let's go down to verse 2. Therefore we will not fear, though the earth should change, though the mountains slip into the heart of the sea, though the waters roar with foam, though the mountains shake or quake, at its swelling pride. And so as you go down through it, he's talking about what if the earth should change? What about mountains falling into the sea? What about waters roaring with foam? What about mountains that quake? You know, I spent a good portion of my ministry at the very beginning, about seven years in the San Francisco Bay Area in Hayward, East Bay. That was right on top of the Hayward Fault. And they were constantly having earthquakes at that place. Earthquakes are interesting phenomena. Once I was up in, Yellow, up in uh, Yosemite, and we're sitting on the valley floor there. It's a flat floor, and I looked, and we felt this kind, of a, this, kind of, this kind of a soothing, rolling sensation. And I looked across the ground, and the ground is rippling like this. Seriously, it was doing this. It, it was coming right at me. Trees were doing this. It was weird. Sometimes earthquakes can have kind of a, a rumbling a sensation to them. You could hear them coming up from Chabot, which is in the East Bay, coming our way. You could hear it rumbling your way as it passed through the house. Or sometimes it can feel like just someone hit you with a hammer. Boom! And I'm just 
The thing about earthquakes is this, is that they're so unnerving because there's, you're powerless to do anything about them. A couple of years ago, we experienced that here in, in Idaho when we had that earthquake. Remember, it happened around about five something in the evening, sat into my chair. I felt, I told Lori, I said, we're having an earthquake. I knew it right off the bat because I'd been in a bunch of them in the Bay Area. Earthquakes can be a nerve because you feel powerless. There's things in life that feel that way, aren't there? When I was a boy and we moved to California for the first time, I think I was in probably the, I'm going to say around third or fifth, we'll say fourth grade, and we're, we're moving to California for the first time. I'm a little boy, and the radio is on, and there's a doomsdayer who is talking about that California is getting ready to fall into the ocean. Probably because of the San Andreas Fault, you know, and the Hayward Fault, and, and the various earthquakes that were had. We're going to fall into the ocean. I thought, boy, what, is, what are we doing moving to California? I'm a four-year-old boy. You know how traumatic that is, that you're going to be falling into the ocean, you know, and, you know. Or if you've ever been at the ocean, when a storm is, is brewing, there's a storm even coming on shore, or there's a storm that is there, and that, those waves can be huge. It can be crashing in with undertow tides and cross tides and rip tides all over the place. And you wonder to yourself, are these sandy banks, are they going to be truly the boundaries that God talks about? Is it going to be able to stop these waves from coming on in? What I'm saying to you is life can be a lot like that. Life can come with a lots of natural uh, phenomena, natural upheavals that just go on around us. Do, do, do children count? Yeah. They're part of the natural phenomena that we try to get our, our minds around as we raise it, raising up our children. Does the death of a loved one count on that? Yeah. It can make us feel as though the earth is shaking around as it's quaking around us. What I'm saying to you is that nature from this psalm has a, a definite, is a definite attention getter. Those things, I mean, earthquakes get your attention. Tornadoes, they get your attention. Those things have a way of waking you up to what's going on in, in life. Not just those things, but Psalm 46 verses 4 through 10, it talks about things that can make us feel, you know, unstable cause us to, to totter, if you will. Look at verse 4. There is a river whose streams makes glad the city of God, the holy dwelling place of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She will not be moved or will not fall morning dawn. Now listen to this. The nations are raging. They're making an uproar. The kingdoms totter. He's talking about all kinds of things. He'll go on down and talk about wars going on. So he's talking about the upheaval of civil life that's going on around you that can really stress you out. Think about 2020 and all the riots we had during the summer and the burning of cities and the looting. Think about the smashing grabs that are going on now as they loot these, these, these different businesses. Think of even, I think, Portland is still having riots over there. So you have those things that are going on around you. You have homeless people. I mean, L.A. has got a serious problem with that. I'm going to say to you that probably even in Boise, we have a serious problem when it comes down to the homeless who are out there on the streets living in makeshift sheds and all kinds of, of things. Not to mention the wars and, and rumors of wars. You have China saying, we think we're going to go ahead and take the South China Sea along with Taiwan. Yeah, the Russians who are massing their armies at the borders of the Ukraine, you know, and as though, are we just going to sit back and watch that happen? And so you have that that is there. And when is the last time you went to the gas station and filled up your car? I filled up my little Camry the other day. 
the 14 gallon tank cost me $55. I'm paying like a third more than I paid a year ago for that same amount of, of fuel. And so those things, inflation is there. And for those of you women who went out and shopped for Thanksgiving, you can say, well, listen, that turkey cost more than it did a year or so ago. So the inflation is, is there. So you have these things that are around us and it says, and the nations are raging. There is an uproar that is there. The kingdoms are tottering, and it makes you feel that you are a part of that. So stress, it can just cause a lot of, of fear within you. Stress can make you feel like a mountain is falling on you. Stress can make you feel like great waves are crashing against you. Stress can make you feel as though the world is falling apart around you and you with it. So stress can do a huge number on us, and, and probably not just in the holiday season, okay? That's kind of the way you just had to introduce the sermon. Stress can be a part of our lives, and so what can you do about it? How, you know, how is it that God can help us to overcome stress? What can God do for us to help us conquer the stress that sometimes we find in our lives? Well, I think what the psalmist is trying to tell us in Psalm 46 is, is that we need to trust him. We need to embrace his strength. And we need to learn how to slow down and how to relax and how to lay some burdens down. But that's not easy to do. In fact, sometimes it's really hard to do. But listen to what God says. Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not anxiously look about you, for I am God, your God. I will strengthen you. Surely I will help you. Surely I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. The right arm is the strength arm for those who are right hand dominant. I will be there. My strength is there for you. Don't anxiously look about you. You need to embrace me and trust me. Look at Joshua chapter 1 and verse 9. The children of Israel are getting ready to cross the Jordan and go up against Jericho and all the inhabitants of that land. And God says to Joshua, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Wherever you go, he's with you. What was it that Jesus said in, in Matthew, the 28th chapter and verse 20, 20? And lo, I will be with you, what? Always, even to the end of the age. Even to the end of the world, I'm going to be there with you. In the New Testament, Paul says this, Be anxious for nothing. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, shall guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So, so what is God telling the children of Israel? What is Paul telling these Philippians and, and telling us? He's telling us to trust. He's telling us, quit carrying all this weight, quit carrying all this stress, and, and lay your burdens down. And isn't that what Jesus said in Matthew, the 11th chapter, in verse 28? Come to me, ye who are weary, and heavy laden or burdened down. And I will give you rest. 
And then he talks about following after him, and he ends it with, again, saying, and you will find rest. Lay your burdens down. That's hard to do. Personally, that's hard for me to do, is just to lay them down. When I say them, lay them down, I'm not saying you lay them down like you would a book. I'm saying you lay them down as saying, okay, I know that they're there. I know that they are real. But I trust you, God. I trust you to take care of that. You've taken care of me for all the years of my life. Now, I'm trusting you and your strength and your right arm. You're my refuge. You're my hiding place. I'm going to give this to you. I'm going to lay my burdens down. So I asked Brandon to come up and lead us in this song, the first stanza of this song, Lay Your Burden Down. Actually, the song is here in this place here. But listen to the song and sing it, with, sing it, okay? In fact, let's all stand up. Give me a break because I only have another hour to go. And then <laughs> go ahead and let's sing this song together here. Lay your sit down. I guess the correct is, please be seated. You know, in, in times when it feels like we are caught between a rock and a hard place, God invites us to lay our burdens down, to trust him, to put ourselves in his embrace. He wants so much. He doesn't want us to live stress-filled lives. He knows that it's there, but that's not his desire for us. Look at verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. That is an interesting verse. That word still there in the Hebrew, it means to relax, to cease striving. The one that I was surprised at is it said to let drop. I got thinking about that. How do you illustrate a let drop thing? And so, I, so Avery uh, Coleman, he, he agreed to help me with this illustration, Avery. So if you come on up here. So he's going to help me out with this thing here. And so here I have this weight here. So how much do you think this weight weighs? Any got any idea? Go ahead and hold this out. What I'd like you to do is hold this out like this here. Not like this. Not like this. Or like, like this. Okay. Yeah. How old are you anyway? You're 14? Why'd you do that? You were just, the other day, you were a little bitty guy. And now you're so hold that out there. Hold that out there nice and straight there. And so, so how, how much do you think that thing weighs? Five pounds? 
10 pounds, 50 pounds. It really doesn't matter because I'm not holding it. Avery is. So Avery's holding that thing here, you know, and if Avery, if he holds that thing for a minute or two, no big, he's strong, athletic guy. He's no problem there. It's going to be easy for him to hold that thing up there for a couple minutes. Okay, now, but if I have you hold this thing for like an hour, and, it, and, and you're starting to feel it a little bit now? Yeah. See, and so if I were to say, okay, you need to hold this thing for like an hour, say an hour and a half, two hours, well, he's going to start hurting. I mean, he's going to start hurting. Hold that out straighter. Okay. He's going really to really start hurting. So what do you think would happen to him if I asked him to hold this thing like all day? I'm telling you, at the end of the day, he would not only be hurting, he, would be, he wouldn't be thinking of anything else but, because you've got to hold the thing up there in order to go to heaven. <laughs> and, and I'm telling you, if, if he had to hold that thing all day long, he'd be dropping it and then he'd be trying to get it back up and he'd drop he'd be trying to get that thing up because he wants to go to heaven and i'm telling you what he would not only be hurting he would be paralyzed he'd be paralyzed when i say paralyzed he wouldn't be able to think of anything else do anything hold that thing up he wouldn't be able to do anything else so okay so how do we relieve him of his problem We'll let him put it down. Thank you, Avery. So, so what we'd have him do is he just needs to lay it down, all right? Or he needs to get his daddy, who's a big guy, to help him hold it up. Or his friends to help him hold it up. Or his congregational family to hold it up. Here's what I'm saying to you. When it comes to this stress stuff, these burdens, you, you can do it for a while. You can hold them up for a while, and you'll be okay. You can go a day, maybe go a week, a couple weeks. But pretty soon, it's going to start hurting. And if you try to carry it for months, it's really going to start hurting. And if you try to carry it for a year, maybe even shorter than that, you'll be so intent on, on this burden that you have, this, this stress that you have, that you'll be paralyzed. You won't be able to function. You won't be able to do anything. So you need to lay it down. You need to let go and let God. Look at the song. Lay your burden down, every care you carry, and come to the table of grace, for there is mercy. Come just as you are. We're all unworthy to enter the presence of God for he is holy lift up your heart lift up your hands follow your knees and pray for the king of kings and the love he brings is here in this place you don't have to carry your burdens I mean they're going to be there we all have felt them but give them to God. God is our refuge. A very present help in a tight squeeze. That's his promise to you. And so I don't know what's going on in your life. I don't know what kind of burdens you are bearing. But I want to encourage you to lay them down this morning. You don't have to come forward to do that. You can lay them right where you are, but lay them down. Or if you need 
the prayers of this congregation, of these godly people here, then it would be our privilege and our honor to assist you in that. We want to help each other. Paul says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. So, I suddenly just walked away now. And so, uh, I'm not sure what he's got planned here. I think I do know what he's got planned. Let's all stand. If you need to respond, what you do so at this time.